This episode is brought to you by freedadcourse.com. You are always one conversation away from changing your life, and the power of hello is something that I subscribe to every single day, and I'm always saying hello to new people everywhere I go. Increasing your opportunity, increasing your connection, and getting access to the solutions to the problems that you are facing, whether you're on active duty or just beginning your veteran transition or even transitioning out for 20 years. On the other side of hello are the solutions that you're looking for. Again, head on over to freedadcourse.com. Get your five-episode audio course to create more connection, create more friendships, and get back to living the life that you're trying to design. Dory 1, this is Fireteam Delta. Dad's coming home. Welcome to the Military Veteran Dad Podcast, where it is our mission to bring every dad home. I am your host, Ben Colloy. I'm a United States Marine veteran, husband, and a father. We will bring authentic conversations to inspire action in your life so we can close the gap between the dad you are today and the dad you want to be tomorrow. This is the Military Veteran Dad Podcast. Today on the show, we have Jeffrey Lodick, retired from the United States Army after 20 years. He served as a squadron, squadron sergeant major, operations sergeant major, first sergeant, platoon sergeant, and drill sergeant. He was a master rated jump master, a pathfinder, and a graduate of Battle Staff Non-Commissioned Officer Course. He has continued his service by assisting transitioning service members as an associate instructor for Four Block and as a host of On the Other Side, Leadership After Transition a podcast designed specifically to allow experienced veterans and those who truly want to assist veterans the ability to provide insight on the transitioning process. Jeffrey is an inspirational speaker, a member of the National Speaker Association, and owner of Changer Forecast LLC, an organization designed to develop and inspire future leaders through his life experiences. He is married with four children, three girls, and one boy, ages 13, 12, 3, and 4 months. Jeffrey, welcome to the show. Man, thank you. Thank you, Ben. I appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me here. I'm excited. It's been a long time in the making, so I'm really glad that, that uh, I was trying to get on your podcast, so it's ironic that you made it on mine first. That's it. That's, that's, a, that's a horrible thing. Thanks for bringing that up. <laughs> Go ahead and fill any gaps in that intro and tell me what your family looks like right now. Man, that intro is great. I mean, it's it's not who I am, I guess. It's kind of what I've done. Uh, the biggest thing is kind of what you said at the very end. I'm a father, man. I mean, that's out of everything. I love what I've done. My life experiences have, have shown me a lot of ways and things, I guess you'd say. But being a father by far is uh, is my one true love. And, and my kids, what is my family? Man, my family looks like it's chaotic, bro. So uh, my father passed away back in 2010, excuse me. And uh, when that happened, I was in Germany. I came home and took my mother in with me. Well, later on, I met my now wife and well, I had two kids prior. They lived with us and then we had two and then my mother-in-law moved in. So right now my family looks significantly large. I have my mother, my mother-in-law, my wife and my four kids. And, and we're here in Tampa, Florida. And Man, we love it, dude. It's, it's chaos, man. But it's chaos in which that I, I, I got to tell you, no joke, no matter how bad the day is, I love coming home to it. and I love waking up with it. So it's, it's great, man. Anybody who says they don't have chaotic moments in their house is lying through their teeth. <laughs> of course. Of course. I agree. I've often described, we've had a couple of crazy weeks this week. It's like living in an Instapot. <laughs> and you're, it's just, you're, everything is just extra heated. Everything is pressured and it's just crazy. 
Yeah. So we had a um, interesting, we had a, a Christmas party uh, this past Friday. I mean, actually this whole week was really rough. I was in the emergency room. I had kidney stones and that, that was, that was rough. I pinched the nerve of my neck. So my arms jacked up. My wife just finished her first semester of her master's program. All the while we have the kids and all that other stuff. And then Friday we have a Christmas party for my work. I have to drive from uh, McDill, which is here in Tampa to my house, get her, but I have to go get my daughter from daycare, bring her home, get my, my, my mother and, and just going to get my older kids from school. They get them home. Home. And, you know, it was just really interesting because we had a conversation on the way to the Christmas party. We said, man, just getting out of the house, just getting out of the house is, is, is an effort, man. And like it takes a lot of, of physical and, and, and psychological focus, man, just to leave. You know what I mean? One thing I always remind myself, and I just heard this advice this fall, that anytime I really get really stressed or like, God, this is just overwhelming. I'm always thinking it's just a season, just like the weather, it eventually will change. And, and at some point there's going to be a moment when all you want is for that voice upstairs or for, from the bedroom to say, daddy, I need one more hug. And you'd be like, damn, it's gone. Yeah. Oh, man. Who are you telling? I listen, <laughs> I, I, I got, I got, I'm going to, I'm going to kind of skip over anything that you're going to ask me. I'm just going to tell you this one thing because it just happened. No joke. And it's really, this is just a very, I don't want to say it's ironic as far as the time coincidental, but I, my, my three-year-old, uh, she'll fall asleep on the couch downstairs or something like that. And, and then dad will carry her up to bed or whatever the case would be. And it's horrible because I almost cried the other night, which is really silly, but I'm going to admit it. Right but I was carrying my three-year-old up the stairs and, and it made me think to myself of my 13-year-old. I, I truly, while I was carrying up the stairs, I was thinking, when's the last time I carried her to bed? And then I, then it even brought even more closer home. I was like, when will this, when will this be the last time I carry my three-year-old to bed? And then the four-month-old, obviously she's going to be three and then she's going to go further. So it's just, it's an evolution. It's a change. It's progression. All that stuff is there. It's meant to be there, but it is, it is tough. And yeah, so while, while I have this, and that's why I tell everybody, man, while I have this, yes, it's chaotic and very stressful and all this stuff exists, but man, I wouldn't trade it for the world. I promise you. As in fact, will, it probably, will change probably, and you'll just be staring at your wife and be like, man, yeah. this house is so quiet. I just yeah. would wish for someone to fall asleep on the couch. Yeah, yeah. We're going to have to have more kids. No. <laughs> <laughs> it's not the answer. More no, vacations no. is the better answer. Yeah, you know, you're 100% correct. Believe me. I'm, I'm too old for this, man. <laughs> so let's get started with the first question. You kind of leaned in with it. Uh, what does it mean when you hear the words come home? What does it mean for you? Maybe even when you serve versus now or what does it mean for you? Well, I think, I think it has different meaning at different times, right? So I think that it meant something different then and it means something different now. Um, uh, you got to understand kind of my, my past, if you will. So I, I, was, I was married uh, for uh, four years, five years uh, early and I had two children. Uh, we got divorced and, you know, that was back in 2009 as I, I got divorced. Um, and, and to be honest, that was, that, was, that was a very rough time. I mean, not the, just the emotional part of divorce, which sucks. And I think that many of us in this, in this world, especially in the military world, know that feeling all too well. There are the fairy tale stories. Don't get me wrong. And I love it. Believe me, I love hearing 25 years married, 30 years married. I love it, man. It's heartwarming. But for me, it didn't work out that way. And with that, uh, there was a lot of custody battle. There was a lot of court. I mean, just, just time that, that, I didn't get back. And, and more importantly, time in which I was, I didn't know of what the outcome was going to be. Uh, but I do know that because of my ra being raised by my stepfather, you know, my father, biologic father, wasn't a great, great dad. He wasn't a bad man, just not a great father. Um, but my, my stepfather was very much in my life. And not only was he in my life, he was in his kid's life because he had a previous relationship. So I knew at that time I was going to fight 
for my kids to be around them and to see them and, and to come home at any moment in time, whether it was from a deployment or from a, a, a TDY or whether I was stationed, I was in Germany and I had to come back and I'd come to see them every so often, whatever the case may be. And it was, it was an amazing feeling. What it meant to me was I get to see my kids. I get to see the smiles because they they're, they don't think about the negative stuff. They're, they're not when they're young, young, they don't, they don't have, the emotional baggage that's attached to a man and a woman or the, the, the stresses of those days that, that exist in paying bills. They have stresses, but they're not of the paying bills and are we going to make it to tomorrow? They just want to see you. They want your time and they, that's all they want. What it meant to me coming home was I'm never going to go to the bathroom by myself. You know, that's, that's what it meant when I, when I, you you're know, always going to be interrupted. Yeah. Interrupted. Or, I mean, hell, I, I think there was a lot of emotional anxiety and, and attachments to uh, issues that my children had developed because when I'd come home, when I'd go in the bathroom, no joke, they cried to bang on the door until, until I let me, because I don't think they knew if I was going to come out of the door, if I was going to go out the window or whatever, if I just wasn't going to be in the bathroom when I was done. You know what I mean? So that was, it was very difficult, but it, it was great. I, truly it was, it, but it was always so short. Um, but since I've got out, meaning coming home means something so different to me. And because I'm here every day, I have custody of my kids and I have the two younger ones. So, uh, you know, I go, I wake up every morning here in Tampa. I, I kiss them all. Good morning. Good morning. Even if they're asleep, I go and I each one every single day without fail. I go to work. I come home after whatever I'm doing afterwards. Uh, I come home. We eat dinner every night together. Uh, we'll, we'll, I usually read the younger ones a story. My kids do their homework or whatever the case may be. But before every one of them goes to sleep, they come down to give me a hug and a kiss goodnight. When I go to bed, I kiss them goodnight, even when they're asleep. So, and that's, that's routinely. That's not like, uh, well, I miss this night. No, I don't miss a night. And that's significant to me at this stage of my life uh, because what I do know is I'm, I'm a permanent fixture in their lives and they're a permanent fixture of mine and, and, and they need me as much as I need them. So it's, it's something that coming home, uh, it, it, it's exactly that I'm coming home and, and they know it, you know, being a, a career, uh, person, soldier, I'd have to imagine serving 20 years that I think a lot of people that serve at any time, I've, I watch other military families. I didn't have a family when I served, but mm -hmm. it's so easy to prioritize your service as a noble sacrifice. <laughs> as something worth your family's sacrifice. And it's like almost like a credit card that you eventually keep borrowing from and that debt on the credit card eventually has to be repaid. Was that something that you struggled with? Man, I got to tell you, those are things I struggled with. There's are things I listened to people say that I struggled with. I mean, I know folks, I mean, know them very, very well um, that, that pretty much said, if you want to have a career, make a choice. You know what I mean? Choose, choose this or choose them. But at the end of the day, you will not be fill in the blank, right of a rank or whatever position, if you don't make these choices. Um, I, I don't believe that. I, I think that's, I mean, that might've been, that might have been something that had to exist back in the day, or, or that's what they used to be like, I'm harder than woodpecker lips or whatever the case may be. Or if but you're repeated like, it enough, it would became true. Yeah, exactly. But, <laughs> but no, I, I, I mean, it, it was said, but no, I, I, I think that what I did struggle with and I, and I did uh, cast away my family um, for, for success, not, not so much during my marriage, but that was my coping mechanism after my marriage. And, and after the, and I think that's what a lot of us do. Um, when things are going wrong, you find a lot of workaholics, right? Or people that really put a lot of focus, not just because they love our country and the army or the Marines or the Navy air force, whatever it may be. It's an escape, uh, from trouble, right? Uh, from, from stuff that's just not stable because in, in the military, we're structured. Every day is something that we're, we're, we know what we're doing, no matter what, we're in control of that to some extent. So you go to work 
and you focus, you know, if you're, if you're the best person, if you're there on time, if you're there early, if you stay late, if you do all this stuff, people are going to notice and you are going to be better at what you do. So uh, for me, uh, in those, in those struggling times, the times where I didn't really know what, you know, left and right was or up and down. I was kind of all over the place. I mean, sometimes I would lean to alcohol or whatever the case may be, but I, I think that, uh, for the most part, I leaned to work and I actually became a pretty good soldier. And, and I mean, despite, uh, having a really horrible, horrible, uh, personal life and family life for that matter, which kind of sucked, you know, looking back at it. Yeah. And I think if, once you kind of walk through struggles, I think there's a part of you that learns that, um, once you hit rock bottom, all you got to do is stand back up. (laughs) And a lot of people until they hit that, it's, there's a fear, there's an anxiety, the lack of control. It's why we want the work that you're talking about. Cause we want that certainty. There's a level of certainty we will, at every human desires in their life and work mm-hmm. is a very certain set of equations that give you the exact same outcome and you know how you feel. Yeah. And, but knowing when you hit rock bottom, you can just stand back up. That gives you a lot of grit and resilience to do a lot of other things. It does Still, it. be a career soldier yeah. as you were. Yeah, no, no, without a doubt. And, and, and you know, I, I gotta, I would just add that a lot of times there's a lot of people that are, have hit rock bottom and continue and somehow continue to go further. Right. Or, or they get and, bigger and, shovel. <laughs> yeah, and, and it's, it's just interesting because I mean, we, we are not designed in the military to ask for help. We're not designed to say I'm struggling. We're not designed to say I'm having a problem, especially if you're a leader of, 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 of troops, right? Because how am I going to lead you when I can't get my own self right, you know, and, and so the fear of admitting that to somebody, to anybody is, is, I mean, could be career damaging, but more importantly, it's pride damaging. And what, what are we more than anything? We're very proud, you know, and we don't, we don't want to admit that. So, um, I actually had a mentor of mine who really helped me and, and, and opened my eyes to a lot of things. I mean, I was never suicidal. I was never homicidal. Uh, I was depressed. Don't get me wrong. And I did, and I did seek other, other methods than just logic to, to fix myself. But, uh, I had a mentor that, that kind of saw the struggle and kind of saw the, the out of control downward spiral and pulled me to the side. And I didn't tell him he knew. And, uh, we had a great conversation. And from that point on, it was very easy for me to be open and honest with a lot of folks about my situation and what I'm going through. Because at the end of the day, man, what's really interesting, you're not the only one going through it, you know? And that's something that, that, uh, like the epiphany, that's like the biggest oxymoron in the world that you think you're so alone. You think you're the only ones with these struggles. You're thinking the only ones with a chaotic house because everybody on Facebook looks perfect. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Exactly. You're, you're exactly right. So that, that was, I think once I, once, once someone reached to me, it was easier for me to reach back. And and then I, then actually, uh, kind of propelled me not only in my personal life, but in my career, it, it was on both sides. I kind of was winning on both fronts, if you, if you will. And uh, yeah, I owed a lot just for, for the conversation. You know, that was kind of why it, why it started that way, which was an amazing thing for me. And it's so rare these days that when someone does do it, people notice. Yeah. Oh yeah, no doubt. Especially in the military. Cause it's not very <laughs> common where people openly describe a marriage problem. Usually it's after there's already a, a physical violence or a altercation at home where it's already yeah. out of control. And then you hear it when yeah. maybe there was someone else in the platoon that could have helped before it became. Yeah. Cool. No doubt so from police, uh, police calls, from spouse calls, from, from, you know, all the different things that, that, 
you know, these relationships look perfect. And in actuality, again, because it's not on Facebook, because if it, no one puts their negative stuff on Facebook and, and, and no one really wants to talk about their stuff because I got it. I don't want to go see counseling because I got it. Everybody wants to get it, but they don't get it. And, and, and if they would, just, if they would just reach out for someone to, to give them that little bit of, you know, understanding it, it could, it could really change a whole, a whole, bunch of stuff. Hell, even if I went to counsel and was smart enough then to go through with my, with my, uh, first wife, uh, we, we may be married today. I mean, I wouldn't be happy as happy as I'm right now. Don't get me wrong. Cause I'm very happy with where I'm at, but there were things that a young me didn't open my mind to and, and nor would I, you know what I mean? So, I mean, I grew, I, I developed and now I'm, I gotta tell you, I'm, I, I don't know many people that are happier than me from a family perspective, even if they said they were, I'm, I'm truly blessed to be honest with you. What are three time bombs or a few time bombs that enabled you to come home? And kids spell love T-I-M-E. So time bombs are some quick hacks to help you make a quick impact with your kids that are inexpensive and they remember them years down the road. Well, I, I got to tell you, so I, I'm not that that smart uh, <laughs> to, to, to really do things inexpensively, one number one, uh, and, and I'm, not, I'm not very innovative. Creative. But there's some, <laughs> yeah, and creative, right? So um, I, I'll tell you what's interesting. My daughter's 13 years old, and, and I, I started with her when she was a very, very, as a matter of fact, she was still in the stomach of my ex-wife. Um, I, I created this, this, uh, this little book. It was on, on a computer, the PowerPoint presentation. And the song, it's uh, A Wonderful World by Louis Armstrong. I, I put that music to the back of it and I just made like a, a, a three months, seven months, and then she was born. And I, and I put all these things together. And then I, I had it in her room and it would always you know, rotate. The song would always play. Well, that was you know, obviously before she was born, we made it. And then I made, anyway, throughout time, she's 13 years old now. I guarantee, I, I tell you this, I guarantee you if that song comes on, if I'm not there, she'll cry. If, uh, if I am there, she runs to me and, and we dance. And, and I, I, I could tell you, I did that with all my kids, all of them, even my son. I mean, we don't, we don't have a dancing song. It was more like fun, a fun song, but it was music. And I'm not, I'm, I love music. I can't sing. Uh, I can dance minimally, but I mean, I can, I can, I can hold my own. Right. Everybody can but, dad dance. <laughs> exactly. Right. And everybody could dad sing too, which is, which is always not embarrassing when you're in public. But then if you ask someone to sing on a mic, they'd be like, no way. But if you capture them singing, it's so cute. But, um, but yeah, so for me, the, it's, it's, it's the music. It, it's really what it is because we, it, it just correlates with happiness to me because the song in itself, I mean, the words of the song really are irrelevant, although that song specifically with my older daughter, it's, it's a, I mean, it, it actually is everything to me. It is a wonderful world. And, you know, I, I see babies cry, I watch them grow. It, it's great. It's great. It's, it's true. But their feeling, that the attachment they have with me, it just, it's stronger than anything else. They know that when those song comes on, uh, that song, it just, they, they, they read, it registers with my father. You know what I mean? And that's important to me. We, uh, we have an Alexa, and as a dad, the best thing for me and Alexa is the three ninety nine unlimited music that you can add on her, and essentially it just makes it a giant jukebox. And yeah. we have multiple dance parties. We have even <laughs> Ring Around the Rosie parties where it's my kids are under six, four, and two, and it's just a giant Ring Around the Rosie party for like 10 minutes. Yeah. And all we're doing is going around in circles. We call it circle dancing. That's awesome. That's something that is their favorite thing to do, and it's not playing with toys. It's not getting the biggest toy from target it's not yeah. sitting in line for something crazy it's just our time that's really at the end of the day all they really want 
time, man. And like you said at the beginning, time, that's, that's the thing. And, it, and I'll tell you the one thing that you need to look forward to and actually start really paying attention is to YouTube because my 13 and 12 year old, they, they still want to dance with dad. Right. So all the new uh, hip hop dances or whatever craziness they come out with, they, they, they play it. Then they, you know, have me come into the living room and then I have to do it with them. And it's, yeah, I mean, I, I don't like, 2018 hip hop anyway, and or any music that in 2018, there's nothing really that comes out on the radio today that I enjoy, but having to play with the kids with these songs, I, I guess I make them laugh. And to me, laughter is where it's at, man. We joke a lot at this house. That's, that's what it's all about. I mean, you, you will not go time in my home without hearing someone laughing. It, that's just what we do, man. I promise. That's, it's a fun, it's a fun thing. Our kids have kind of found a few, the people upload, uh, the dance video games episodes that they do. So there's uh, different moves on that. And then that's just more dancing used for them. So they want to do a bunch of those too. So that's kind of the, probably the first introduction to YouTube dancing is that they're watching people. And if if you haven't done baby shark yet, you're lying to you. We've done baby shark. My youngest is, I actually went, I didn't even know about it until this summer. I had never even heard about this crazy song. Unreal, man. It's just, it's crazy to me and it's gotten so much hype. It's, I mean, I mean, it's, it's unreal, but it's fun. It's fun. It Baby is. Shark and uh, Old McDonald by Pancake Manor has our, our two favorite versions. <laughs> That's it right now. Wait, wait, wait till later. I, I won't even, I can't even tell you what crazy group names are going to be out there when, when your daughter's 14 years old. I don't even like, want to know the next NSYNC. That's who it was. <laughs> when I, that was like the very first crazy boy band. That yeah, I, yeah, right, right. Well, New Kids on the Block was my age, right? So, I mean, that, that was like the ones that came up and then the other ones followed. But yeah, no, I, no, definitely don't I'm not looking forward to any of them believe me so your kids are all pretty young still what do you want them to remember about you when they're 30 at a bar talking with their friends what would you want them to share or hope I think that's a very hard hard story I mean hard hard question um the one thing I'm very proud of right now I mean because we all know our kids in our house like you'll hear someone say your kid was great or the most polite kid but you know <laughs> in your home your kid is crazy and you just wish someone would take him and say please then take them so they act like that all the time or come and live with me so they act like that all the time. Or if you like, hear your t- the teachers talk about them, they're like, they're always so nice. And I'm like, exactly. that? Yeah. Do you even know him? No. <laughs> that's, that's, that's what we do. So, but I would tell you is the one thing I'd like them to remember about me is what I instill in them and, you know, being polite and just being kind and being genuine. Uh, you, you won't get anything other than that from me. And I think that's important that they know that now. Uh, but, you know, kids, when I don't care what kid you are typically at, at that age. And as they go a little bit older, dad, mom, they're, they're just trying to ruin fun. They don't trust much that you say. So they get a lot of influence from friends and and, and school or whatever, and, and videos or whatever it is. And then they grow up later and they look back and say, man, I, I love my father. I love my mother. They were only trying to help. And and for me, the one thing that I hope my kids get when, when they're older is to be genuine, just be a, that I'm a genuine person that I truly care about. When I tell you I care about something or I tell you I'm going to do something, just believe that and, and trust in that because that's truly where my heart is in my mind. And I focus on that and I want them to be the same. So that, that'd be, that'd be the, that'd be the, the nice thing to say. If other than that, I'd love to say he's the funniest dude he's ever, they've ever met in their lives. Like I would love for them to tell them how, how comical I am. Cause I always uh, pull practical jokes on him. I'm always messing with them, but if, if I had some, if they had to say something nice, it would be that I was genuine. But if they had to say something to win some money, I'd have to tell them to tell stories about the things that I did to them when they were kids. Cause it's hilarious. Man. <laughs> I was thinking uh, that part of what my wife always says, she's a kindergarten teacher and she's always mm-hmm. describing it as like, I just want them to be good human beings. Yeah. 
Like, I don't want them to get so stressed out about this testing or all these things that the school makes them do. I just mm-hmm. want them, even my oldest, they, she tells her teacher, I just want her to be a good human being. And yeah. I heard a, maybe three years ago on a different podcast, um, someone described that it's not our ability, our job as adults to raise good kids. It's our job as adults to raise good adults. Yeah. That prepare them to be an adult in the real world to show how to, to be successful, show what kindness, show how to be compassionate mm-hmm. and they'll figure out how to be a kid all on their own. You don't need to encourage them that you need to teach them how to handle when people come by and throw stones at them and keep walking and just be comfortable with themselves. I feel like that's something else that as a dad, we have a lot of power with our kids to help them be comfortable who they are and not doubt who they are because that's something that, some, something can hold pe- so many people, even myself, mm-hmm. that if without with that without that courage or confidence of who you are, that mm-hmm. is something that will always hang over your head until you can deal with it. No doubt, and I don't think any truer words have ever been spoken. I mean, that, that's that's significant. You know, making making them comfortable with who they are. Uh, one thing I would tell you, uh, just from my experience, and it's something I experienced when I was a kid, and some of my experience by listening to to adults and of, of fathers and mothers of other children, and something that I actually found that didn't work. Right. And, and I, and I have, I've been going through some things with my older daughter over the past year and a half or two, as she, as she's grown, you know, as she's gone through some changes in her, her, her life, you know, hormonal stuff and she's becoming a woman. Uh, so, so there's a lot of things that she concerns herself with, but what, what I found is that I was having these conversations repeatedly about a year and a half or two years ago. And I talked to my daughter about, Hey, don't worry about those kids. It doesn't matter. In 10 years from now, they won't be there in 20 years from now. They won't be there. They won't even worry about that. And I used to hear that from my parents. I don't worry about what they say. They're dumb or whatever. They're not going to be around when you grow up. You won't even know half of these people, which was true in, in a sense. But, um, and then I've heard that through my time in the military, but the problem is it doesn't, doesn't, doesn't fix anything. It doesn't it's help anything. No. And, and, and the problem is, what what we find to be problematic adults paying our mortgage on time, paying our car note, making sure we have a job, making sure we have income, all those things that are stressful and huge. They're really big deals to us. Well, obviously what someone thinks or, or what, what clothes you're going to wear, it's not so significant. It's actually not even thought of. We're like, man, whatever. And when we blow it off, but then in, in that we marginalize their, their thoughts because they don't have the same recall. They, they can't, they don't have anything to fall back on to say, I once felt this way and now I know how foolish it was. No, we once felt that same way, but now that we've grown up, we've, we've understood that there's other things that we need to adjust to. And, and those things helped us <laughs> into our adult life. We found what's important, what's not and certain things that, but we had to find that out. It wasn't because we just were so smart that we were like, Hey, these guys don't matter what they call me. in, in third period doesn't matter. The, 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 the guy who puts my head in the toilet or, or pushes me down the hallway or whatever. Yeah. They don't matter. Yeah, they do. They matter right now and they matter. And so how do you, how do you address it? right now. And that's, and that's what I kind of, you know, I don't want to say that I found that out on my own. I mean, I, I probably heard it somewhere, but I, I could realize that my answers weren't uh, suffice. They, they weren't sufficient for my daughter because she, she didn't care about 10 years from now. She cared about tomorrow morning going to school. So it was, it was one of those uh, realizations that I had to say, okay, how do I help as opposed to put it off and, and marginalize what she's feeling? And I'll tell you, Great, great thing because we've had, I mean, it's opened up communication between her and I, as well as my son, who's 12. Uh, we, we, it just, it, it helps significantly. It really does. Because I can see it from her point of view. And then she can see that I actually am concerned about making, and maybe not giving her the answer, but just opening my ears and kind of letting her vent a little bit as a 13-year-old girl about her day. You know what I mean? Yeah, I've, I've read, my daughter's only six and she's already struggling from this type of stuff from kids just not playing with their like, uh, first grade problem. But these are still real world problems. Yeah. Mm-hmm. that 
get her emotions completely wound up. And right. every night we go to bed, uh, then when we talk about what her day was, uh, a few weeks back, we read a book called A Bird Will Poop On You One Day. And so now we call it Bird Poop at yeah. o'clock every night. So we talk about who pooped on her every day and how it made her feel. And so much of our job as a dad, and it's what you're doing already, so that, it's really amazing, is to walk our kids through the emotion that they're dealing mm-hmm. with, not to teach them to suppress it or that it's invalid. Yeah. Validating that what they're feeling mm-hmm. has so much power to, the, to let them let them so that then they can let it go because if you don't teach them how to deal with the emotion then it's just something that they regret it's probably something they hide it's probably mm-hmm. something they're not even comfortable with and i think that's a lot of where as you they do grow into adults they don't know how to deal with those things that you told them weren't real yeah but they're real and even adults even adults get caught <laughs> up in the so oh. even though you once you start learning these mortgage problems yeah, yeah. you still have these problems that the coworkers don't like you. Your team members aren't talking to you. Yeah. There's still cases in life where you have to figure out what emotion you're feeling and try to put a label on it. And sometimes you got to sit in it even and before you can understand it and let it go. No doubt. I, I agree wholeheartedly, man. It's funny that adults worry about that stuff to me. <laughs> As a dad, what was your scariest moment? What did this moment teach you? Man, you know, the, I've been thankful, I guess. I haven't really had any scary moments. Specific, well, I'm lying. Okay, I'm lying. So I, I did have a scary moment. So the, the, my, my three-year-old, she, she's alerted to peanuts, right? And, and for uh, the first, uh, first uh, actually first year of her life, we didn't know she was alerted to anything. Uh, so it was actually the day before her first birthday is what we got the allergy test back because she had been doing stuff. We hadn't been giving her peanuts or eggs because, you know, you're not supposed to do that, blah, blah, blah. <clears throat> but anyway we had found out that she was allergic to peanuts. So I was like, Oh man. And, and through time, you know, you see these 13 and 14 and 15 year old kids that are dying of peanut allergies. And it's, and that scares me. And in itself, other people's things, the things that are happening to other people's kids terrify me, man. And I, and I, and I gotta be honest, like, it's just that scary to me is watching somebody go through that, that stuff. It's, it's heartbreaking. Like I'll, I will shed a tear. I mean, emo- I mean, my, my wife calls me an emotional person, but Hey, I'm an I, emotional guy. I yeah. cry. I cry at every, I, I was I crying. I cry at the end of elf. Like, <laughs> that's, that's a good movie, man. But, <laughs> but I just, I find that people, when I look at it, I try relate it to me and I just c- couldn't imagine going through some of the stuff. And so the scariest thing that happened to me personally, um, you know what a Choco Taco is? It's an ice cream thing from uh, from a gas station. Like you get them at the gas station, the little ice cream things. So mm-hmm. anyway, it's a chocolate. It's a taco with ice cream and chocolate. Blah, blah. I went and got one. I came home. This is about maybe nine, ten months ago. And for some reason, I took, I opened it up. My daughter said, Dad, can I have some of the chocolate? Like she said, can I have some? So I, I broke, I, I kid you not, it was like this big, a, a piece of the chocolate. And I gave it to her. And as soon as she ate it, I said, Baby, does it, because I thought it had the crisp, the, the rice crisp, but I said, baby, does it have peanuts? She goes, I don't know. I, and I couldn't read because my eyes were bad, are bad. I said, Can, look, at the, look at the ingredients. And she goes, oh, no, it has peanuts. So, and I, mind you, I tell you, it was like this big, like tiny, if, if for you if that can't see me. And it's like, look, my, my hand, it's a very tiny morsel, right? So the first thing I do, I run into the, into the kitchen. Like, we have an EpiPen, but I, go, I run into the kitchen. I get Benadryl. I, I give her Benadryl. And I, I tell her to sit down on my lap. So she's sitting there. And I'm thinking, okay, we're good. She just she doesn't have any any uh, you know nothing's bubbling on her arm. She's not starting to get uh, breaking out in hives. She's breathing fine. I'm like she's very close to me. I can hear her, so I'm I'm being very cautious. Man, within seconds of that, man, she she vomited in such a way 
that was something that I've uh, even even the Exorcist doesn't compare to that. Like how bad it was. Like it's I mean, very I was, vivid in your mind, even probably as you described. Oh, it. I couldn't even believe. Like it was like everything within her body liquefied, and which was horrible, and it just came out. It was disgusting. So free listening. I apologize for the graphic, <laughs> but it was it was that significant. I was like, oh my god. So as soon as she did that, I said, get 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 the. Uh, get, get the bag. We're going to the hospital and the hospital is like seven minutes away, actually eight minutes. And it took us uh, four, but anyway, um, I put, and then she started breaking out in hives and I was like, Oh, we're going to have to use the EpiPen. So, which scares me to death to have to stab my daughter in the leg. And I know it's not stabbing, but it's stabbing regardless of what you want to tell me. <laughs> but we get her in the car and I drive, she's in her seat. You know, my wife buckled her in and, and she's just looking at her. She got the EpiPen in case. Cause there's three things, right? The, the inside, like the vomiting, the skin. And, but if they start getting, uh, uh, you know, all those bumps and stuff by their mouth and stuff. You got to concern yourself with her, her throat closing and going anaphylactic. So anyway, I'm like, Hey, if you got to give her the shot, give her a shot, but we're on our way. We should be good. So we get to the emergency room. She's not having any difficulty breathing. We got there and they immediately took her into the emergency room. I uh, gave her some Benadryl, some more Benadryl. Uh, they didn't give her an EpiPen uh, because she threw up all the Benadryl, <laughs> every ounce of the Benadryl threw up. But I was so scared and I was like, Oh my God, I'm the worst father ever. I cannot believe it. So I got to tell you, I have my, I love peanut butter. I like peanut butter. I like Reese's Pieces, uh, Reese's peanut butter cups. I love, I love peanut butter. There is not a peanut anything in this house. And I have not had anything with peanut butter in it for as long as, uh, since that day, whatever that date was specifically, I, I, I just haven't. So we haven't done that in the house. So, so she's being, t- I mean, she's being treated. She does some oral, oral stuff. So they give her peanut uh, oils and they'll, she'll graduate to powder and then she'll graduate to peanuts in hopes to uh, kind of, remediate the allergy levels and stuff because man that's it just scares me man to know that a 13 or 14 year old kid can go to like a friend's house stay over and just by chance pick up something that has peanuts in it or peanut butter and then uh you know don't make it home you know and then to me that's just just terrifying it's such a sad sad story when i see all these things so my scariest moment is is what's happened to other folks that was a very exciting moment that was kind of scary in and itself so that that's it it's like when you when you have a, become a dad, it's like having your heart beat outside your body. No doubt. No doubt, brother. You're right. I remember just being – I never knew what SIDS was, and I remember hearing that described, and I'm like, it happens how? <laughs> and then you just wake up, and it's, it happens? It like there's I – because mean, you're completely merciless. It's just – it's over, and yeah. there's not – like there's nothing, there's nothing you can do. So sad, man. I, I, I got to tell you, I mean, SIDS is, is one of those things that I'll, I'll never understand. Um, but then again, there's a lot of stuff I'll never understand. And, and more importantly, I've had too many friends and that's, it's a shame too many friends that are close to me that have lost their children for a myriad of reasons. I see stuff on the news. I'll hear about some crazy accident, accidental. I mean, that you couldn't even think that would happen in a million years. And, and I just, my heart breaks. I mean, I, I've, I've heard over the past like six months of multiple people uh, in their driveways running, uh, putting their car in reverse and running over their child who must have got out from. But anyway, neither here nor there. I, I put myself in that position and I just don't, I mean, because in my mind, there's no malice in it. it. It's an accident. But who wants to live with that accident, right? So to me, it's just, I, I look at it like just from a perspective of complete and utter disbelief. And if it, it's, it, I'm kind of a little bit overprotective because of things like that. And well, it was a scary moment. It still was a moment that is now it's in you and you're now learned how to work through that, how to manage that type of anxiety. Cause well, that's a peanut allergy. Those types of anxieties exist in other places. Even when you give your your kids a a license for the first time, it might as well be a peanut allergy when you give them a moving vehicle with a hundred other cars on the road around them. 
I'm not looking forward to that either. No, you're, you're right, man. I mean, even my daughter going and stuff, she's selling chocolate bars for her school. So she'll go out to the neighborhood to sell them door to door. And I'm like, okay, yeah, you, you got to sell chocolate bars. I get it. So go call two or three of your friends from the neighborhood, have them come here. And when they come here, all of you will go out and sell your chocolate bars because you're not, I don't care. I know a majority of people in my neighborhood. I really do. I mean, I've gone to each one because I want to see who lives in my neighborhood. I want to make sure that they know that those are my kids. So if they're doing something wrong to tell me, but more importantly, I'm their dad. So if you do something wrong, just understand that I'm going to be right here at your doorstep. So I, I, I tell them all, Hey, you want to go around the neighborhood? That's fine. But you're going to go in a group because there'll be, I'll be damned brother. And I, I kid you not. I just, I, I'll never be the guy in my mind. I, I'm knock on wood. You know, I'm not, I don't ever want to be the guy that's sitting there saying, you know, I'm missing my child. Someone please give him back and all that stuff. Because I just, I cannot imagine for the life of me how that feels. And I don't want to, you know, my heart breaks yeah. for all of those people. What do you want your family's legacy to be? If they think, if someone to describe the Lodic family, what, do, what words do you want people to use? Oh man, again, honest, caring, thoughtful, generous, um, passionate, ambitious, uh, but thoughtful. I mean, and truly genuine. I mean, I think I, if you, uh, all those uh, words are kind of what I, what I think I am. Don't get me wrong. I mean, I, I know in my, my value mind and, and the way I, I, I work through myself. I mean, I, I've turned down a lot of things because they didn't fit my values. I've, I've also, uh, uh, you know, I stand up for the values that I think other people, like I know what I want. Right. And then when someone, I can see someone be knowing what they want and they're kind of getting jerked around, I'll stand up for them too, because I think there's some loyalty involved with that and some little bit of honor in helping somebody out. But for me, it's, it's truly, I just want anybody that knows me should know that I'm just genuine in my family. I want them to be the same. I want them to make sure that if they say they're going to do something, they do it. Uh, and if, if, uh, if someone tells me they can't do it, I want them to do it just to be spiteful, right? Because, <laughs> I mean, why, why stop? Because someone tells you you can't do something. If you can't do it, that's fine. But why can't you? And, and that's, that's, that's kind of where I want it to be. Someone that, that just strives for perfection, but also understands their limits and then works on them, you know, but genuine. Humble enough to admit they still need work. Yes, man. That's it. I mean, I'm smart enough to know I don't know everything. <laughs> it's okay. But I'm also dumb enough to try. You know, that's, that's the difference, I guess, where I, I will try. And keep trying. Yeah. Why? Why not? We're learning every day. I mean, it's like if you walked when you first started walking, when your child walks at, at eight months, nine months, a year, whatever it is, if, if they didn't do it right because they fell, would you tell them don't do it again? <laughs> You're never going to learn to walk because of this first attempt, you failed at it. No. You, you continue to stand them up, strengthen their legs, teach them how to do it. That's what we do. We're learning. It's constant evolution, right? Just keep learning, man. What advice would you give to a dad looking to come home to his marriage? Open your mouth. <laughs> I, I, I think that the one, uh, so I, I guess I've had a, a, a practice marriage, right? I, that's what, that's the joke everybody says. I don't really believe in it, but I mean, uh, so I had a failed marriage, if you will, or, or one that didn't work too well. Um, a lot of that was the lack of communication. There was a lot of other things, but communication was the, the biggest thing. But I think that the communication, the lines of communication have to stay open, uh, especially for dads that are deployed and or gone. Uh, because, you know, the, when you're together every day, typically when you're together every day, the path in which you're traveling is, is parallel. It, it, because you're, it's a checks and balance things every day. You're having conversations with your spouse. You know where you're going. Hey, what, what did, what did you pay here? What did you do here? But we're going in the same direction. Well, when you have your times that you're away and those lines of communication aren't there, well, paths seem 
to kind of veer in a different direction. And, and I believe that that happens more times than not. And it's all too often. And it's okay if it starts to go in, in, in other directions, but if you're talking about it, you're, you're adjusting as you're going. But if you're not talking about it, then it hits you in the face when you come home and be like, wait, 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 what? what? And, and you know, this whole time I thought we were doing this and now you think, and that's from both sides of the fence to get, mind you, don't, don't, don't think I'm saying that the man who's a, who's, who's out here is doing everything right. And his path is still same when he gets home, the woman has totally jacked up the, the, the paths. It, it happens on both things because the shiny new object in, in the military, you have a new opportunity for assignment or your desire to transition, but you didn't really discuss it with your spouse and there's job opportunities in a different state or city. I mean, all these things, you have to talk. And if you open those lines of communication, it just makes the, the transition back home a, a much smoother one because then you know who you're getting. You know what I mean? You know what's happening. We know where we're at. There's no, there's no surprises and, and we can uh, continue the path in which we were on four months, six months, eight months, a year ago, whatever it may be. Uh, but if we stop that, that communication, well, uh, that's where we find ourselves in a lot of, uh, a lot of trouble, right? And I think with the stereotypical uh, family in general, where the, the, the man usually is the one that does the work. The man usually does the finances that when the, the spouse has to do it, when he's away, there's an entirely new level of transition back home yeah. and coming home where you have to reintegrate into a world where you were learned to live without, like they yeah. learned to live without you mm -hmm. and yeah. you're not always needed. And mm -hmm. part of being a man, I feel like we need to have that feeling of being needed and I feel like that's almost like a Rubik's cube problem. I've never experienced it, so I'm not exactly sure how to crack that Rubik's cubes. Do you yeah. have any advice for on that Rubik's cube of coming back in where they learn to live without you? Well, it's, it's, it's interesting you would say that. And I mean, because it is a Rubik's cube and, and, and I think that's a, one of those proudful things. And there's conversations all the time about these people demasculating these people and these people want to be independent and blah, blah, blah. All the stuff exists. And, and you know what? I think that we, we, you can want to be that guy and you can want to be, but who did you marry? I, I think that's the biggest question. Yes, they, they did learn how to survive because they, they've held down the fort. They've raised your children. They've paid your bills. They've kept things together and probably kind of like we're, where we were talking earlier about the chaos that's in the home, it probably was very transparent to everybody outside of the home, except for to them, they were doing everything, right? So how do you fit back into that? Well, you, you don't fit back into that, so to speak. You, you, you never left it. You, and you got to put that out there. And that's where, again, the communication has to go. Because if I come in, I try to disrupt everything that's been happening. Pretty good, mind you, for some and not so good others. But if I try to disrupt that, then I'm putting more pressure on them or even marginalizing their efforts, right? So again, it goes back into the conversation. Having that open lines of communication. And then, then the Rubik's Cube is kind of it's already fixed. It's already there. It's you're, you are, you are outside of it and you are coming back into it. Right. But keep that, keep that conversation going. Now, if you haven't done that, well, just so you know, it's going to be very difficult because you are going to uh, bang heads. You're going to bump heads because whether you feel that you should be doing this or not, she already is. Ease your way back in. And again, it, it has to be through conversation, not just by force. Like, this is my job. I'm man. Eat rock. I do. You know what I mean? That's just, we can't do it, man. You know?
I am man, hear me roar. <laughs> right, or right. the traditional, like, uh, just like King walking into his palace where the queen yeah. should be waiting for him. Mm-hmm. That's not going to be your, your average military transition, if any military transition back into your family after a long deployment. No. And, and, and good on that. I got to tell you, man, and I just want to, I don't want to stay on this too long, but I do want to say, it, I, you know, being at the Military Influencer Conference where I actually got the first, that was the first opportunity I got to see you face to face. Um, I got to speak to a lot of military spouses and I, and, and granted through the years, I've got to speak to a bunch of spouses and there's a lot of programs throughout the States and different bases that really, really work well to, to get military spouses uh, involved, right? And whether it be through education or through, I'm just, it's through job fairs or anything, right? But the military spouse in 2018, I don't want to say that they're better than what back in 2000 or 1995 or even earlier, they're just more resourced, right? And, and not only are they more resourced, they're very resourceful. And the things that they're doing in our community is amazing. So to think that you're going to come back to some, some spouse that's just losing her mind and the, the house is all crazy and no one's helped her in months, that just doesn't exist really anymore, right? So I, th- I think that's an evolution for, for mm-hmm. service members today. And, and maybe because, uh, or maybe they should be being a little bit more part of their family readiness groups or whatever programs that they have, because they want to know. You should want to know who's going to be helping your spouse while you're gone. Who's going to be looking after your family while you're gone? Because yes, they're going to do it, but there's always that hand, right, that helps you. So I just think we've, we've evolved uh, and progressed very, very much over the past 20 years. And it's, it's a great thing to see. I noticed the same thing in MIC that they are network like an SOB. Oh, yeah. And the ones that are out there networking, they learn that just like we talked about earlier, they're not the only ones feeling this. They're not yeah. the only ones. They don't have to try to solve a problem for the first time every time. It's just a matter of hacking the right mom that's got the right solution oh. to it. And I think for dads, the one thing, the best thing we could do is just simply be open to like what you said, open to conversation, open to whatever the world is around and probably just listening. There's probably a whole bunch of people that haven't had it. Your wife hasn't had like an adult to talk to. Don't try (laughs) to do anything or try to judge or should the family to do it a certain way. Just enter in and just listen. There's probably a handful of worms that no one's been able to listen. We just need to, to give our time. That's it. And they, they need it too. I mean, they're, yeah, they're adults, man, but still there, there's, they, they've done a lot and they need, and they need the time. That's why they're there. They still love you. Doesn't. And that's the thing that I try to, I've told a lot of folks, uh, especially when I was still in the military, Hey, look, they don't love you any less. They're just doing more. Right. And they, they still need you, but the things that they needed you for, they've grown up a little bit. They were, they were dependent on you for, and now they're not but they still love you nonetheless. They didn't love you because you could balance a checkbook. They didn't love you because of anything else besides being you. So be you and just understand that some things we have to kind of let go or, or share the load, right? Mm-hmm. What is a resource or a book you would recommend to other military veteran dads? Man, resources. Man, there's so many resources on base, man. Just uh, especially if you're, I, I don't know. Uh, I'm going to speak to single fathers out there for a moment. There, there's a lot of things on base that you can get. And there's a lot of organizations off base that not just for single fathers, right. But for, for kids and for parents, it's, it's not a, uh, it's not only to single mothers or, but there's a lot of things that you have to your, at your availability or fingertips because I was a single father for quite a while uh, and understood that (laughs) I was struggling because I don't know how to do hair. Right. So my daughter wanted to get her hair done. I mean, I do know that the resource is a hair, a hairdresser. Right. But I didn't have money to do that stuff. So I was looking for people to help me in that aspect, but where are they going to get food? Where, I mean, there are different things that you're entitled to that I don't, I didn't know. And, and you know, so going into, into the base, uh, base 
uh, whatever base you're at and, and looking at their family resource center or whatever they have, they all have them. I mean, there's something, uh, reach out to them. And then there was a book, uh, called life matters. It's a, it's a, by, by, uh, a Rogers Merrill and his wife, I think her name's Rebecca, Rebecca Merrill. Um, but it's, it's a really good book. It's a balancing, it balances life. It balances work. It's a, it's a balance book basically. And, and to, how do you, how do you balance what you're doing, your profession, and, and how do you make sure that your family is still important? We, we, I think we understand that there's an importance uh, to a career. I think we understand that uh, because that makes money. Uh, and the, but there's a huge importance to a family because when the career is over and life is, is moving on, there's things that are important, the, the things that you can't get back. Time you can't get back, but your children, you don't get to like put them on time out until they're 30. And then ask them what they thought of you for the first 30 years where you weren't around. You know what I mean? So I think it's really interesting. It's a book I read. I can't remember when I read it, but it was a while back. Um, just really helps you with how to balance your, your income, your, your balance, your, your, your career, balance your family. What are you doing and how to, how to kind of make it very positive uh, to move forward. You were, I never had connected to this in the military, but it makes perfect sense that mm. in marriage, I've, I often give the advice that you have to think with the mindset your kids are going to betray you. Is certainty. They will leave the house and you, and you're ended, you end up with your wife. Mm. And so you always have to prioritize your marriage before your kids because you're, even your kids are going to betray you and you're going to be a stranger to your wife if you don't put her first. Same mm. thing with the military. Your career mm. will betray you. It's a guaranteed certainty. It's written in paper and ink even endorsed by the government of the United States <laughs> and making sure that your life is prioritized. Yeah. Make sure that, cause once your 20 years is up, you might think we talked about earlier, prioritizing mm -hmm. your service. It's going to betray you no matter how much you put into it. It's no. not a bank account. It's not a savings. It's not a 401k. It doesn't get better with age. <laughs> and, but your wife and your marriage are still the rock bed of what's going to be there no matter what till you, till you die. No doubt. And, and I never really thought about a transition, but I like that, uh, the way you put it there with that book. Yeah, no, it's great. And, you know, you, you think about it, I, I try to not take it personal. You know, I mean, it's, it's kind of hard, right? It's hard not to take your kids personal, the behavior of your children personal. But we do, uh, and, and we get angry. But here's what I would tell you, 100%, 100% factual, right? 100% is that they're going to rebel against you. At some point, I mean, whether it's a crazy rebellion where they burn down your house or just, you know, don't listen to what you said. And they're going to go out and drink on a, on a Thursday night at 18 years old, or they're going to do something dumb, whatever it may be. And don't get me wrong. I'm not trying to say all kids are evil and they, do, but they're going to do exactly what you said. They're going to betray you because it's just what they're, it's what kids do. At some point they want to establish independence and they go and do something that's going to be different than what your ideas are, ideals are, your values are. And you have a choice to make. I'm disappointed in you, son or daughter, and I'll never talk to you again. Or because I know I could probably ask every human being that's an adult that's over the age of 25, did you ever do anything that your parents said don't do? And every one of them is going to say, yes, they did. Or you can understand that they're going to do that because you did. Uh, kind of accept it. I mean, you don't have to tell them that you accept it, but you also have to just know it's coming. Just like you had said, betrayal will come. And then when it comes, hopefully it isn't something that truly injured them or somebody else and they can learn from it. And that that's an example of why they shouldn't do those things. And, and that's a conversation in which you can have, but you're right. They, they will, they will do something that's going to break your heart. Don't Even if it's something as simple as moving out. It's oh yeah, no, you're right. 
You're exactly, you're, no, you're exactly right. It doesn't have to be illegal or unethical or immoral, immoral, but it's going to be something in which you're never going to be, it's going to college. It's going, instead of going to the school right up the road from you, they're going to the school six states away, whatever it may be. It, it's, it's not personal. It's what they, they want to do to become great. And if that's Even the what, parents who vicariously live through their kids' lives, <laughs> those ones are just building themselves up for disappointment. Oh, it's going to be rough. <laughs> What is the parting piece of advice you want to leave for military veteran dads as we wrap up here? Man, the, the last thing I would say, the most, I guess, precious advice I could give is love your children, man. I mean, just, just love them. And, and that's it. I mean, don't, don't take for granted the times you had. Don't, don't give up on little stuff and, and keep it there for, I'm just going to, I know that's supposed to be a quick question, but I just want to tell you this little thing. So You're my fine. kids all of them, minus the four-month-old because she's not there yet, but all of my kids have said something, which most kids have, right, that isn't right. Like, they, that what I mean is, whatever this item is, name it, they'll call it something completely different. And at some point in time, they learn what that real item is, and then they say it, and they never say that old word again. Uh, my daughter, the, the three-month-old, she, or excuse me, the three-year-old, uh, she calls a hamburger, she calls it a hamburger-ger. So she adds, like, some syllables to it, and I love it. And every time one of my other kids is going to say, it's just, a, I'm like, hey, stop. She'll learn one day and she'll come and talk to, tell me it's a hamburger, just like the rest of the population of the, the English speaking world, right? But when that day happens, so be it. But for right now, I embrace it. I love it because it's what she does. And it's a mistake. And I get it. But you know what? That's not going to, that's not going to injure her life forever. It's something that I hold on to special because all of my kids thus far have words in which they called them nothing close to what the real world word was. And I would hold on to it as long as I could, because you never know when it's going to be the last time they do it. And, and I'll tell you that there's so many last times that if you, I mean, there's a poem out there, read it. It'll make you cry, especially if you have a kid that's 10 years old, because a lot of those last times have already happened. Um, so I would just tell you, be there for the first times. And if you can't be, try to be there before it's the last time. But embrace your time, love your children, and just just smile, man. Be happy you have them. Uh, it just, it's, a, it's a blessing because there's so many people that can't and or have lost them. And yeah, I'm loving my life, brother. My youngest is two, and she, my middle son's name is Dylan, and she always calls him Dilly. <laughs> it's, dilly a dilly. Little, it's a cutest little name it's like yeah. dilly over here it's just yeah. and it's eventually and i've actually this past few weeks i've been trying to teach her like dylan and trying yeah. and now you're i was like i probably should just let it go well you know i would tell you and you could probably imagine that i mean i don't know i'm not sure what your your family is as far as siblings is concerned i mean there's things that that i mean i'm, I'm the youngest pretty much of mine um, so they were all grown. I used to call them all kind of weird stuff. And I still like some of those nicknames have stuck with them for years based on some childish thing I said, or, you know, but it's good because maybe when they're 30 or 40 and they're, and they're somewhere like, Hey, Dilly, it's a, it's a, it's a, you know, it's a, a word of an endear, a term of endearment for this nickname for a sister to the, but no one else will know that that'll be between them, you know? Um, yep. but yeah, man, I mean, embrace it. Just love it. I mean, it's just, you could teach them all the right words. I mean, as long as you're not setting them up for failure, if they're, if my daughter, if she was a senior in high school and she was still to say hamburger, uh, well, one, someone would have already probably beat her up or something, which is not the right answer. <laughs> yeah. She would have got ridiculed horribly, but she's three. She's I'm not concerned about it because I know probably in the next two months, maybe two days. I mean, you never know. Um, it, it'll go to hamburger and it'll be fine. But for right now, brother, I'll, I'll eat 16 hamburgers from, from McDonald's and I'll laugh every time she says it because it's absolutely adorable and I just, I love it.
Jeffrey, I've loved this conversation. It's been a great episode. Where can people find you if they want to connect with you? Man, LinkedIn is my favorite spot. Uh, Jeffrey, uh, just, just like Jeffrey Lodick, L-O-D-I-C-K, I'm on LinkedIn. If you go on Facebook, I'm on there as well. I'll, I'll, you could be my personal friend. You can be on my business page, which is uh, on the other side, Leadership After Transition. If you're trying to get some some guidance on the transition uh, process, have had some really great guests to provide some great information. Ben will be one of those really great guests real soon. Um, but yeah, that's, that's where, those are the, the three places you can find me is pretty much LinkedIn, number one, Facebook's good on, on both uh, my personal page and or you can come over to the on the other side page. <clears throat> but uh, yeah, that, that's that's where you can find me. And I want to say something to you, Ben, real quick before you tell me by and cut off the recording. I want to tell you that I've, I'm not going to give you a, spec- a specified number. Are you going to cry? No, no, you're not going <laughs> to cry. No, hopefully not. It, it Maybe. No, but... I've been on upwards of 50, 50 pod, podcasts over the past two years. Uh, it's been really enjoyable. Uh, this has been by far the best. Uh, I've had the most fun. The question, I mean, I'm not marginalizing the other ones. Don't get me wrong because they're all valued, right? And I, I value all of them. That's why I went on. But this one right here, this is something that I believe fathers need to listen to. Spouses of fathers can get a lot of insight from this. And I think it's an amazing, amazing topic. I think you're an amazing host. And I just had so much fun because the questions were uh, it was good to answer all of those. It made me think so much of, of how, how maybe I'm not a great father, but maybe I am. And if I'm not, what can I do to improve myself? And how do I, how do I improve my foxhole? And I, I think we're doing good over here, but I truly appreciate the opportunity to be on here with you. I appreciate it, Jeffrey, as well. And I'm excited for the dent in the universe that we're going to make. And you wouldn't believe the amount of overthinking that these questions had received <laughs> in the time that I've been working on this podcast. And probably the one part I love about them the most is they're all very simple questions and that's probably their best part. They're not complicated. They're not anything game changing. They're just simple life questions that everybody can relate to. Yeah. And I think what you're going to find and just from me is that you're going to have different answers. So as you, as you ask 10 people and you ask 10 questions and you're going to have a hundred answers and they're all different. I think, I mean, some might, might relate to each other, but you're going to have a lot of opinions that, that, that provide a lot of people different ins, uh, insight and perspective onto why we feel a certain way about our children and how we act towards that. And, and hopefully it gives us a little bit of, of uh, courage, as you said earlier, to kind of understand that it's okay. It's okay not to have all the answers. It's not, it doesn't hurt to ask either. Um, so it's good. This is a great, great platform to do this. And I think that it's, I'm just excited. I'm a fan, man. I'll tell you, I don't know who's told you that you're, you're your number one fan, but I'm telling you right now, I don't care what they said. I'm your number one fan. So watch. You <laughs> might as well you, call I'll me at the top of the spot. Yeah. Yeah. You're going to call me your marketer. Everything that I see that you put out, I'm going to, I'm going to share it 500 times just because I don't, I don't want someone else to be uh, mis, misconstrued as your number one fan. <laughs> well, I appreciate it in advance for all the future shares. No, that's awesome, man. Thank you. Thank you for coming on the show, Jeffrey. Outstanding. That's a wrap. And thank you for listening to today's show. And I really hope you enjoyed it. The lifeblood of any new podcast are the reviews. If you haven't reviewed the podcast yet in iTunes, I would really appreciate it. And you will help us get the message out to even more military veteran dads. As John Maxwell says, if there is hope in the future, there is power in the present. Dads, it's time to come home.